Uh, if at any time you want to grab some coffee or tea or another bagel or you're starting to fall asleep, uh, go grab some more. You're not going to bother uh, anybody here, and you're certainly not going to bother uh, me. Merry Christmas. Uh, one thing that I forgot to say is we will not have morning services next Sunday, uh, but we will have the Christmas Eve services. So if you do show up here at 9 or 1045 and there's no one here, just pray about the church and, and sing. Yeah, vacuum, uh, pray, sing, uh, wash windows, whatever you want. Morning, Shane. Uh, so we are in this series called Christmas Hope, i.e. The, the cards and the invites uh, and asking your partnership in that. And what we're doing is we're looking at the names given to this little baby that Christmas morning. And names point to a story, right? So if I were to ask you, um, what is your nickname or what was the nickname you had growing up as a kid, you would say that name and it would probably not mean much to me. And yet if your family heard the nickname, they would know the background on it, right? Everybody with me? Did anybody grow up with a nickname? Raise your hand if you grew up. Dan, thank you for volunteering. Uh, what was your nickname growing up? Oh, boy. Okay. So if, if I am in your family and I call you Bird, like Big Bird or just Bird? Your friends would have. That is so sad. <laughs> it wasn't a good Montanary the Canary. Wow. Hey, let's pray for Dan right now. <laughs> All right, there's a nickname. Someone else, raise your hand. You're like, I'm not raising my hand anymore. Forget that. Robert, in the back, what was your nickname? Cornball. Who? Cornball. Cornball? Okay, that's safer than I thought it was going to be. Okay, and, and I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me not to do this, but Bonnie Lou, what was yours? Bon Bon. So, from this point forward, thank you, my side. From this point forward, if we could refer to Robert as cornhole. Cornball. Yep, that. Cornball. Not cornhole. That's worse. See where this is going? And the bird. The bird from this point forward. And Bonbon. Did Bill give you that name? Does he call you that? No, he's got other words. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. I feel like we need to pray. You know, what's interesting about nicknames is if you, if you hear a nickname, whether it's Bonbon or Cornball, thank you, or the bird, those who gave you that name, they would know why you got that name. They would instantly be able to tell you the background and the story 
uh, reference that name. And the same is true for the names given to Jesus. He has a bunch of names. In fact, there's no way we could even do a year-long series and cover all the names that are given to this baby. And what's interesting, though, about each and every one of those names is that they all tell a story. And the people that were reading the scriptures early on in the New Testament, at the beginning of the church, they would immediately know these stories. They would know the reference to what people were talking about. And so this morning, uh, we are looking at the word Lord. We have covered Jesus. We have covered Emmanuel. This morning, we are looking at Lord. And we're actually looking in a birth announcement. If I were more crafty, I would have had pictures of all my kids uh, birth announcements up here. Uh, how many of you are into sending birth announcements? You did it for all your kids and yours are probably the best, right? We always think ours are the best uh, announcements and really it's just a picture of a baby with some stats. It's not that big a deal, but it's a big deal for Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke. If you're new to the Bible, just go middle and then hang a couple of blocks to the right. Matthew, Mark, Luke. He's a doctor. He has meticulously looked at the story of Jesus. And every word is not only inspired by God, but it's carefully chosen because of the information that it gives. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 31. It says this. We'll actually go to verse 30. But the angel said to her, to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how will this be? Asked Mary to the angel. Since I'm a virgin, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Now here's a question. It's not a trick question. Who is the central character in the Christmas story? Jesus. Very, very good. Jesus and his name means he saves. And we talked about this last week. If he saves, he's saving us from something. We talked about sin and hell and, and judgment and all these really fun Christmassy things. But this announcement gives us some insight to more of his character, more of who he is. This birth announcement gives us clues on who's coming. <coughs> clues that we can look and go, if that is what it truly means, then this is the result. So we're going to look at three specific Clues. Number one, the announcement tells us that the baby will be called Son of the Most High. Son of the Most High. And you might listen to that or you might read that and go, oh, okay, I get it. That's family talk. Uh, that, that's a relational talk. Father, God is the Father, and Jesus is the Son, and the Son's going to come down, and, and he will be then a son to Mary and Joseph. Oh, okay, I understand that this is family talk, and what I want to say to that is no, it's not family talk. It's not son as in Teddy to Alex. It's not a son from birth. This is talking about something much, much bigger 
then family talk, then name the, the son of the most high. In fact, most high is a superlative, right? We understand that. There's low, medium, high, higher, 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 and the highest, the most high right? We understand that in, in regards to every area of life. If you go to your business or you go to your family, there is low, medium, high, 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 the highest, right? Chris Tisea, you are the highest at Sketchfolio. You parade around with your crown and, and you are the highest at Sketchfolio. So here's the question. What's higher than the most high? Nothing. There isn't anything higher than the most high. So immediately in this birth announcement, Luke is telling us something that is absolutely critical to this baby that is coming when we're talking about the most high, the highest authority, if you would. The Old Testament uses this word, this phrase, the most high, often to describe Yahweh. God himself, the creator, the great I am. Is there any other authority greater than God, biblically speaking? No, there isn't. There's no greater authority. And so Luke is establishing something here that is going to have a tremendous impact on those who choose to then follow this Christ child, this baby we read about it in Numbers chapter 24, verse 16. It describes this as the Most High who gives insight and knowledge only by means of the Most High. Genesis chapter 14, verses 19 through 20 describes the Creator and that He, the Creator, He alone delivers from enemies. Not by chance, not by circumstances, but only by His power. The entire Psalm 2, if you want to read that later on today, Psalm chapter 2 is entirely the Most High setting up his son on the throne. It's completely dedicated to it, that this Most High being would take his son and place him on the throne. That's Psalm chapter 2. This is how the scriptures describe this little baby, God most high. This is not family talk. This is authority talk. And in today's times, and, and we know this just by a quick even gla glance of the news, we know that we live in a society that submitting to authority is not very cool. It's not very common. In fact, resisting authority has become somewhat of the norm. Authority talk comes up in my household at times. Does it to yours? Actually, quite often. Two very specific ways that authority talk comes up. Number one, sorry, that was gross. The question is, can I eat? Number two, can I play on electronics? Those are the questions that uh, if I were to be hypnotized would probably come out of my mouth because that's what I hear the most is, can I eat? Can I play on electronics? Now, here's what's interesting. If I say to my boys, yeah, sure, no problem. Never once have they ever paused and asked why. 
can I play on the iPad? Sure. Why? Why can I play on the iPad? Why are you letting me play on the iPad for so long? Hey, can I eat? Sure, eat whatever you want. Why are you letting me eat whatever I... Never once have I ever been pushed back. Now, what's interesting about that, if I, if I say no, it's an entirely different conversation. <laughs> and at times, I look at them like I had to this week in this particular moment and say, why, you ask, when, they, when I tell them no and, and they ask me why? I say, why do you ask? Because sometimes, my boys, I don't have to explain myself to you. Oh, stop. You say way worse to your kids. <laughs> but I look at them and I go, I don't need to explain myself to you. The answer is no. Now go play in the street or do, do something. <laughs> but no more electronics. I don't care what you do. Nothing that requires power. Okay? Just go. And do you know why I don't have to explain myself to my three boys? They're 10 and 6. <laughs> I don't have to explain myself all the time to my boys. Now there's times when I do... But especially when it comes to electronics, I don't have to explain myself to them. They're 10 and 6. I'm the authority. I've waited a long time as a kid to be that authority. <laughs> and doggone it, if I say no, I'm going to channel my inner because I said so at times. You do too. Because sometimes they will still throw a fit and demand an answer. They're still going to demand and answer. And friends, often that's how we treat God. We want to know answers. Why is this happening? Why have you allowed this? What's going on? What are you thinking? This doesn't make sense. When it's going our way, we're very pleased and often very cordial with God or distant. But by golly, when things aren't going well or we don't get our answer, God will hear about it. His phone will ring. The emails will start flooding in. Why? Because that's how we treat authority. We demand an answer. And can I help you with this central theological truth? This might be hard to swallow at times. Ready for it? God doesn't need to explain himself to you. I just want you to sit on that for a moment. Now that gets really hard the more devastating things that happen in our lives. But God, in his nature, owes you no explanation. Why? Well, because he's God, we'll start there. He does at times, he does explain himself, he does give answers at times, but he owes you Nothing. Just like Sandy and I at times will discuss a situation, we will make a decision on certain topics, and it's better at times for our kids, including Naomi, for all of our kids not to know the details of our discussion. They're not ready for it, or it just would not help them. And so there are at times where Naomi or the three boys will say, what are you talking about? And we'll turn to them and say, this is not your conversation please go to the next room or we'll excuse ourselves to the next room, often because we're trying to protect them from what's really going on. 
That's God. That's the Son of the Most High. Do you realize there are things going on in this world, and and I'll make it more personal, in your world that's going on, that the only one who understands it is the Most High? And he doesn't need to, or nor should he have to explain everything to you. You may not be ready for it. You may not even want to know the answers. That's a clue. Number two, the birth announcement tells us that the baby boy will be given the throne of David. Now, this is interesting. We, we understand that uh, King David uh, was obviously a king. He was a shepherd. He was so many different things. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, we don't have time to go through the entire story, but in 2 Samuel chapter 7, specifically 11 through 16, God tells David, hey, one of your offspring is going to inherit your throne, the throne that you're sitting on, this unbelievable throne, all of these subjects, all the gold, all the meat, everything that you're seeing here, someone at some point is gonna come from your DNA and they're gonna inherit your throne. And not only that, he will be the greatest ruler this world has ever seen and will ever see and know. The perfect king. The birth announcement tells us that Jesus is not just going to be a great teacher, not just going to be a prophet, not just going to be a rabbi, not just going to be someone who's very eloquent with their words. He's going to be a king. How many of you have ever met a king? Me neither. A king. In, in America, we don't do really well with kings and queens. We kind of like the TV shows and we'll follow the news, but we don't quite understand king and queen, royalty, authority. But back then, it was everything. And this announcement says he's not just going to be a great guy. This baby that we sing about, this baby that we gather and invite our friends to come to Christmas Eve, this baby is going to be a king. And then third, this announcement tells us that his kingdom will never end. This this baby boy who's going to be royalty, who's going to be the ultimate, the king, capital T, capital K, the king, king, his kingdom will never end. No matter what's going on in our world, no matter what we're struggling with, no matter what's happening in our individual lives, this kingdom will never end. Through wars and famines and fires and floods, this king that is coming, this birth announcement, this is a great birth announcement, this king is coming and his kingdom will never end. Daniel chapter 7 is an incredible story. If you have time, jot that chapter down and and read that sometime before Christmas. In it, it describes uh, a vision of four beasts that represent four rulers in human history. And as you and I both know, rulers come and go. Kings and queens come and go. Presidents come and go. Maybe you're excited about that. Maybe you're not excited about that. Either way. But we know that rulers, as far as what we experience, they come and go. Bosses come and go. It just is the nature 
of it. But at some point in this vision, it is described that the Son of Man is coming before God. Again, here we have this word, the Son of Man. And God says to him, to Jesus in this vision, now you will rule. You will rule over all of the beasts. You will rule over all of authority. You will rule over all of the rulers. You will rule over all of the kings and their kingdoms. And you, son of man, you will sit on a throne and that throne will not be limited in any way, shape, or form by finances or territory or people groups or wars or armies. You will rule in authority forever without ending. That's the king that's being described about in this passage. This birth announcement of the Lord does not announce a cute little baby with perfect lighting that has been photoshopped and doctored and then sent out to friends and family. This is a birth announcement of a king, the king. And you see, Pharaoh's in those times, this is why this passage comes alive for the original readers. Pharaohs back in those times were called sons of God. Caesar was called son of God. Plato and others were called sons of God. It was a given term <clears throat> pointing to the best, the highest, the most high. And here, an angel comes and describes you might have thought you had it all together and you knew who the Most High was and I've got more news. So turn with me just one page over, Luke chapter two, verse eight through 11. Very famous verse and yet hopefully this morning it takes on new meaning for you. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. His name will be Christ the Lord. And this is earth-shattering, shocking news, both for those who will receive the message and for you and I today. Why is it most shocking? Well, it says there's going to be good news of great joy for all of the people. This is another reflection of king talk, specifically in this time, Caesar. Why does it relate to Caesar? Because during those times, the king would send a messenger to ride with his message into town. And as the messenger rode miles and miles and miles and eventually got to a town, he would then stop, he would get off his horse, someone would go, and people would gather, and he would go, all my people, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. 
That was his phrase. And what that told the people of the town was, the king has sent a message. We are about to hear about or from the king. In this case, Caesar. People would run. They would sit down. They would sit up. Why? Because they were about to hear king talk. And here, an angel of the Lord, who God knows our culture, don't think for a minute God can't relate to you, he brings culture into this birth announcement, and he says what they would immediately recognize, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is a king announcement, and they know it. They understand it. They understand we're about to hear about a king. And better yet, we're not about to hear about a king. We're about to hear about the king. Why? Because it wasn't some dude who rode in on a horse and got off and so on. This is an angel. You ever notice how people are absolutely petrified when angels appear to them in Scripture? Why? Why? Super easy answer. It's an angel. <laughs> it's an angel. And if, and if you don't feel like you'd be kind of weirded out or freaked out, go home today and if there's an angel in your living room, I just want you to think about how you respond and let me know. This is an angel and their immediate response is fear, and yet the angel says, no, 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 there is no reason to fear. Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy. You see, you're about to hear from a king that isn't going to levy taxes. He's not going to come down on you. He's not going to you know, embark all these rules and regulations against you. I bring you great news of great joy for all the people. Why? Because I'm bringing you a message of love. You're about to hear about a king, the king, that will love for the rest of eternity. And so this little baby called the Lord, he's king. He causes us this Christmas season to reflect a little bit. We looked at Jesus. He saves us from sin. We looked at Emmanuel, Christ is God, God with us. He's with us in our good times. He's with us in our difficult times. He's with us in the mundane. He is with us. He's with you right now. God is with you. And we look at the Lord and the Lord is ruler and king. So I want to ask you this morning, what area of your life is the King Jesus ruler of? And what area of your life have you not yet submitted? Down on your knees before the rightful king and said, I and all of my thoughts, all of my opinions, all of my desires, all of my plans, everything within me, I submit to the king. You see, what area of your life have you not done that? 
What area of your life are you still hoarding as your own and saying, I, mm, I'm going to give up these things over here, but man, I just, mm, I can't do that yet. And I want to ask you that thing, how's that going for you? That thing that you have not yet surrendered, that thing that you have not yet submitted to the king, how's that working for you? Usually the greatest pain, the greatest shame, the greatest guilt, the greatest disappointment, your greatest frustration is the areas of your life where Jesus is not on the throne, where you have yet to submit, where he is not rightfully king. And Christmas presents a time of assessment. It's certainly a time of, of good cheer and eggnog and presents and singing and church. It absolutely is everything that comes with Christmas, including Santa Claus. It is a time for fun. It absolutely is. But it is also a time of personal assessment specifically is the trajectory of your life pointing to submission and kingly authority in all areas of your life is is that where life is taking you not not to say are you there are you perfect are are you dialed in is it all done no 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 I, i'm just merely pointing the question is that where the trajectory of life is going you know you know where the trajectory of your life is going. You know what's going on in, in your heart and in your mind. Am I willing to bow this Christmas season and submit rightfully to the king's authority in all areas of my life where I am the humble subject and he is my Lord. He is my king. He is my master. And then do the, do the words, the actions, the demeanor, the thoughts reflect that. Bringing us to a place where he calls the shots, not us. All of that, when the angel says, he will be called Christ the Lord. Let's pray together. King Jesus, Lord of this world and Lord of that which is to come, King of heaven, king of our lives this idea of royalty this idea of kingship often just is, is beyond our ability to, to quite grasp this idea of, of approaching a throne God and even more so as we look at the book of Revelation that, that talks about what that will look like, what that throne will look like, what will be surrounded in that, and yet it is so unbelievably clear. You are not just a father. You are not just son of man in human flesh. You are not just someone who saves us 
from the gates of hell. You are not just someone who we come and read about and sing about. You are a king. And so often we admit that gets lost in the shuffle. And so it's our prayer as we, as we march towards Christmas Eve and to celebrate the unbelievable birth that you would place it upon our heart throughout the course of this week. How do we approach and interact with the King? Son of the Most High, who sits on the throne of David and whose kingdom will never end. Would you take our hand and lead us in those ways? Open our minds and our hearts to understand that and cause us to worship accordingly to the King. For this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord.